We are um, continuing in the book of Daniel, chapter 2, with events that have taken place um, yesterday in the world, and I'm going to talk more about that in a few moments. Uh, To me, it reinforces the need to read the Bible. Because the Bible is full of prophecy, prophecy telling things that happen in the future. And um, you, you don't waste your time, believe me, when you read the Bible. So here's the deal. Author Max Stiles was sharing Jesus to a young man, Andreas, who came from Sweden uh, they were having coffee together, and they started talking about the Lord, and uh, the conversation kind of landed on this um, common misconception of who Jesus is and what he will do for your life. And Andreas said, um, you know, this is the misconception. I've been told if I decide to follow Christ, he will meet my needs and my life will be very good. Now, we can hit the pause button right now and take a vote if that's true or false. And for some people, you might think, yeah, that, uh, that sounds good. Um, I, th- I think I'll check that out. But what about Daniel? Let's just lean into Daniel right now. How do you think that worked out for him? That he would have uh, everything that he wanted, he got. He lived an awesome life. But when you look, he's 15 years old and he's really kidnapped from his homeland and exiled to a, a brutal country, Babylon, and a godly culture. How did things work out for him? Well, in his core values, he believed that God was under control. But I don't think Daniel would land and say, yeah, he'll meet my needs and my life was very good. And we could look at people in China, India, North Korea, Iran, Followers of Christ that are suffering because of their faith, uh, they do have a bigger picture. And this is where Mac and Andreas kind of continued. Stiles went on to say, no, Andreas, that's not how it works. And Andreas kind of blinked with surprise. He thought, what, you know, what's the deal? And Stiles continued, actually, you may receive Christ and find that life goes very bad for you. And Andreas said, well, what do, you, what do you mean by that? And Stiles continued, well, you may find that your friends reject you. You could lose your job. Your family might oppose your decision. There are lots of bad things that may happen to you if you decide to follow Jesus. And when Jesus calls you, he calls you to go the way of the cross. And Andreas asked, um, then why would I want to follow Jesus? And I think that's where a lot of people land today. Why? Why would I follow Jesus if things don't go my way? And Stiles answered, Andreas, because Jesus is true. He's true. And Jesus is the truth, and he tells us in John fourteen six. he's speaking, I am the way and the truth and the life. That's what Jesus says. He's endorsing the fact that he cannot lie, he cannot deceive, but he speaks the truth. 
and he's trustworthy, and so is his word. And when you meet him, you will move from the false to the truth. You will move from deception to reality. I found that to be true, and many of you have as well. And so we know that the enemy, Satan, the devil, and you may be you know, listening here today and you don't believe in the devil. I get it. Many of our seminaries today are discounting the fact that there is no hell and there is no devil. Well, that's interesting because Jesus himself endorsed the fact that there is a devil. He said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's a fact. You can put your head in the sand and think, no, that's not true. I don't want to believe that. Well, you go right ahead. But I'm telling you, there's coming a day when you'll find out that to be true. So we have an opportunity as followers of Jesus Christ to live the truth in front of the people that God puts in our world. We have a choice to make. Daniel had that choice in Babylon. And we need to do that very thing. Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shadow you. I am going to present you to those people around me that will be accurate That'll be honest. It's not going to be perfect, but I'm trusting you to live through me. In 3 John 3, John writes, Some of the traveling teachers recently returned and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. That's good, huh? The truth, and I ask you today, are you following the truth? Yeah, it's a good question. Lord, we're choosing to follow you. Several months ago, Debbie and I were in uh, Florida for uh, vacation, and uh, we drove from Florida to Alabama, and there was a state park that uh, we drove into. It was Florida State Park. And they had a warning sign um, on the front end when you drove in. And uh, welcome to the park. You know, that's cool. Is that cool? But then when you read, man, I have 25 cents, man, it's a bargain. <laughs> I'll think I'll get in there. Uh, but then they say, okay, there's a few no-nos here. And then on the bottom, watch for snakes and alligators. Now, I don't know about you, but when I get to the bottom... It's like, I don't know if I want to go in there, man. You know, uh, that's, that's not really too cool. And take a look at, you know, this is a beautiful park. We have some photos of that. Yeah, look, at. doesn't that make you want to go in there? Yeah, it's awesome. How about this? There's a bench with your name on it. And just watch the snakes and the alligators, you know, come by and say hi to them when you're in the process. And then... Once again, here's another sign. Danger, alligators may be present. And of course, watch for snakes. There's warning signs, friends. Let me tell you, there's warning signs that God is shooting flares in the air today to say that this world is crumbling right before your very eyes. And you may have promises from your friends or from your boss or from your colleagues or your friends or whoever they may be, your neighbors, to say, man, you do this with me, and it's going to make your life better. 
And quite honestly, when you peel back the veil of that deception or that lie, you'll find out, you know what, there's snakes and alligators behind the curtain. And so we have to be very alert today in the days that we're living. Because if, if we look with eyes of clarity, we'll see the deception. We'll see those lies that we're being told. And we will land in what God's word has to say about how we can live our lives in an honorable way. And so we've been given God's word and we have the opportunity, man. There's, there's warnings all around us. Jesus gave us warnings. Watch out. Be alert. Vance Havner, a pastor, said the devil has chloroformed the atmosphere of this age. In view of the sure promises of Christ's return as believers, we are to do more than merely be ready. We are to be expectant. In our days of anarchy, apostasy, and apathy, expectant living means we need to take down our do not disturb signs, snap out of our stupor, and come out of our coma and awake from our apathy. Vance Havner had a pulse with the culture. And he saw and realized that as even as followers of Christ, we can be put to sleep in the culture that we're living in. We become more comfortable in this world than our passionate desire to get to heaven, which is our real home, where we're getting fired up over that. And our hands are open to the things of this world, realizing the things come and the things go. Governments come, governments go. Countries come and countries go. Living for Jesus Christ is a sure promise. And he will not let you down. I think um, what we saw in Israel yesterday, I think Israel was sleeping. Because their intel, there was a breakdown there. I have a, uh, uh, an article here from yesterday titled, Israel Strikes Back After Hamas Terror Group Kills At Least 200 With Barrage of rock, Rocket Attacks. And that's already been changed. I'll get to that in a minute. Israel's military forces have opened up fighting in nearly two dozen locations along the Gaza border after Hamas terrorists launched thousands of rockets into Israel on Saturday morning. Iranian-backed Hamas terrorists. Iran is funding Hamas. Let's, let's take a look at a map here. Um, so here's Israel. Israel is the size of New Jersey. That's, that's the ground it covers. And, and the Gaza Strip right here, this is where Hamas is camped out. Israel has let them live there, um, which we really don't have to do, but they're trying to keep peace in that nation. The Palestinians, and and I'll just go off here a little. In our seminaries today, and even in churches, you kind of see this mindset where people are leaning away from Israel and moving towards the Palestinians. And when you read your Bible, 
you'll find that God speaks often of Israel as his beloved people. They were to be the showcase to the world back then on what it was to have a relationship with the living God. That's what God's heart was. And, and we see that um, what, what happened in this area, rockets were being shot in southern Israel, and uh, they were using drones, they were using, out, they were using boats out in the Mediterranean Sea, and um, honestly, they took Israel by surprise, which uh, it, it, sh- it shocked me. And the Israeli cabinet officially declares war for the first time since 1973 with the Yom Kippur War with the Arabs back then. Bibi Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, said, citizens of Israel, we are at war. So this is a full-blown war right now. There's a lot going on. Um, So this article that I I printed yesterday, it said uh, 250 killed in Hamas assault. Uh, Now it's up to 600, and over 2,000 have been wounded. There's been... um, Israelis who have been kidnapped and they're being held, etc. But this was an unprecedented attack where 3,500 rockets were aimed at residential areas um, coming out of the Gaza Strip. And so um, Israel was really attacked by Babylon 2,600 years ago. And God allowed that to happen with Nebuchadnezzar coming in and Daniel and his buddies were taken back to, to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. But here's the deal. In Ezekiel 36:24, God says, I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. What, what was that? Israel had been exiled out of Israel. And God was making a promise that there was coming a day when God would allow Israel to come back to that same ground and become a nation for the second time. This is spoken in Ezekiel 36. Think about that. We're talking about prophecy. For I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. This fulfillment of, of the, that prophecy was uh, happened on May 14th, 1948, when the United States recognized with their vote, they needed one more vote to secure that status in the world, where the world recognized the new state of Israel. Harry Truman because he went to Sunday school. All his advisors, except for one, were trying to tell him not to vote for Israel to become a nation again. That was kind of the pulse of the world. But he realized that to honor God, that he would put that vote in for Israel. And so on the evening of that announcement, radio commentator Lowell Thomas, 
said in the evening broadcast that Americans in every part of the country would be turning to their Bibles for historical background, enabling them to understand this day in history. You see, there was an understanding that this was big, friends. Bible prophecy had foretold that Israel would become a nation for a second time. And it happened in 1948. And that was the tipping point for the end of the age, really, of world history. That's a huge biblical prophecy that was fulfilled. That in itself would be enough for people to say, man, I can believe the Bible. It's true. God keeps his word. And I'm going to live for a God who does that. I'm tired of getting lied to, man. I'm getting tired of being deceived to. Who can I trust today? You can trust in Jesus. You can put your whole life into his care because he can be trusted. The prophecies found in Isaiah, Ezekiel, Matthew, and Revelation show both the Old Testament and the New Testament pointed to this day when the Jews would return to the land, promise them, and initiate fulfillment of the ancient prophecies. Never in world history has a decimated ancient people managed to retain their individual identity through 21 centuries and reestablish themselves as a nation. It's never happened before. It was clearly a miracle from God. And in 2006, for the first time in 1900 years, Israel became home to the largest Jewish community in the world, surpassing the Jewish population of the United States. From 650,000 who were planted in Israel in 1948, the population of Israel today has swelled to over 6 million. Why? Because God has been calling his people back to Israel. And so, Zechariah, I'd like to hit that for a moment. Zechariah is the second book from the end in the Old Testament. Can I just put this out as well? I know there are some people that struggle with reading the Old Testament. And I get it, there's, there's parts that get a little bit like quicksand, you know? But you want to read your Old Testament because there's a lot of Bible prophecy there. And it affirms the fact of the days that you're living in right here, right now. And Zechariah talks about the future. And chapter 14 when you get home, you can read that book. But verse 1, watch for the day of the Lord is coming. Verse 3, then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he has fought in times past. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Why does God love Israel? Because Jesus is coming back and he's putting his feet on the Mount of Olives. When you go to the old city of Jerusalem and you walk into the Kidron Valley, you're walking down into the valley. And as you come up, you hit the Mount of the, the Garden of Gethsemane. 
And at the base of the Garden of Gethsemane, if you keep walking up, it's the Mount of Olives. That's where Jesus ascended after he rose from the dead. It's interesting. He's coming back to that very place. His feet are going to hit the ground. Boom! And that's why Israel, they're in war right now. But I tell you, Israel will win this war with Hamas. They will win it. And the Mount of Olives will split apart. That's when Jesus' feet hit him, making the wide valley running from the east to the west. Half of the mountain will move towards the north and half towards the south. Then the Lord my God will come and all his holy ones with him. Who are those holy ones? That's you and me. Verse 8, on that day, life-giving waters will flow out from Jerusalem, half towards the Dead Sea. If you've ever gone to the Dead Sea, it's dead. It's dead, man. There's no life in it. All that's living in the Dead Sea is salt. And there's no life in salt. But you jump in there, man, and you can't sink. No matter how hard you try, man, you just keep floating. You could read a newspaper in the Dead Sea. That's how salty it is. And what Zechariah is prophesying here, when Jesus comes back, half of this life-giving water will flow towards the Dead Sea and half towards the Mediterranean, flowing continuously into both summer and winter. And check this out in verse 9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. His name alone will be worshipped. His name alone. What does that mean? That means if you're not living for Jesus, every other religion out there is false. It's fake. It's phony baloney. Is that who you want to live for? Is that what you want to base your life on? Stuff that will not last. We get to worship the one true God. Man, we did it today. We get to do that every day. And what a privilege that is. And we know that Philippians 2, 9 through 11, therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Yeah, man! Woo! Why do we get fired up? Because we know he is true. What he writes in his word is true. He has proven it over and over again. He is faithful. He has been faithful. America has given lots of money to Iran recently. Iran is the head of the terrorist group Hamas. Now you just think about that. That happened just a few weeks ago. And look at what's happened. You go back to the Gaza Strip. There's hospitals. There's schools. There's homes, and Hamas being a terrorist group 
they hate so much that they embed the schools, the hospitals with military equipment, bombs and rockets and grenades and rifles, so that they would not be confiscated because it's a hospital or a school. And so, friends, we, we are living in those days today. And this is not a time to be living our lives in a very, you know, que sera, sera. Yeah. This is a time that we need to really take the full opportunity of living for Jesus Christ because we are seeing prophecy lived out right in front of us. These are great days to be alive. And so, like Psalm 122.6 that says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Um, We need to pray for America. Because what's happened in Israel um, with Hamas embedding themselves in these communities, it's a very distinct possibility that there are terrorists embedded in America today waiting for the call to do damage. When you have Iran and Iraq burning American flags, death to Satan, that's America, and death to little Satan, that's Israel. There's a spiritual war going on here. And so we, we need to pray for Israel, we need to pray for America. And will you join me? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for um, Zechariah telling us that you're going to come back and you're going to land on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, in Israel. And because of that, Lord, what we're seeing today in Israel with world events, we know, Lord, that Israel will still be there in the future. It has to be because that's where you're coming. And you're going to fight for Israel like you've always done. And so may we keep our eyes on you, Lord. What a, what a picture it is to see Jesus coming back You're coming back, and we're asking you, Lord, to awaken us to the days that we're living in. And I think that's what yesterday was across the world. It's a wake-up call. The time is short that Jesus is coming. We pray for Israel today. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I pray, Lord, that you will give Bibi Netanyahu divine wisdom for this crisis that he's facing. And we pray for America today, Lord. When we think back to 1948, our president voted for Israel to become that nation for the second time. Lord, may we continue 
to stand with that nation, Israel. Will you protect us, Lord? We, we, we recognize that we have sinned against you. We have rejected you in our culture. But we believe that there is a remnant that you are raising up in this nation to represent you well. And so we pray for your mercy, Lord. And we need your help as we continue to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Last uh, <laughs> last Sunday, uh, David Zebarth, uh, our leadership gets together before ten o'clock. And we pray, and he came in singing this song on Christ the Solid Rock. I stand, and uh, I thought it was interesting because we haven't got there yet. In Daniel 2. But the rock that hits the statue in the base by the, uh, the feet and, and it blows up the statue, um, there's that rock, and I'm going to get ahead of myself, that rock is Jesus Christ. And it's, it's in the New Testament, and we'll get to this next Sunday. It's in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament, that Jesus Christ is that rock. And that rock, it says, will continue to grow over time. It, it doesn't, so when the rock hits that statue that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream of, and you see from the top to the bottom that statue really <sighs> dissolving and then hits the ground, it bounces back up, and like the chaff in the wind, it gets blown away as if it never existed. That rock is the only thing that's left. And in that dream, it says that that rock continues to grow. It gets bigger and bigger. And do you know who that rock is? Not only is that rock, I'm way ahead of myself here. That rock is Jesus Christ. And why is that rock getting bigger? Because in, ancient, in the ancient world, when people thought of Nebuchadnezzar, they would think of Babylon. The king and the kingdom went hand in hand. When you talked about a king, you, you were talking about the kingdom. And so when you talk about Jesus, you are automatically talking about his kingdom as well. Jesus is king of his kingdom. And so the rock keeps getting bigger over time. How does that happen? That's the body of Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are adding to the kingdom of God. It's growing. It's not decreasing. And he's not coming back for a weak church, friend. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. You're his bride. He's the bridegroom. And he's coming back. Now, I don't know about you, but man, I am excited that we're part of the kingdom of God. Right now. And we can influence, like Daniel influenced Babylon, we too can influence our culture. And so, why do we put so much value on prophecy in the Bible? Here's one reason. Daryl Dash, a pastor in Canada, writes, the point of thinking about eschatology. He said, there was a time when people cared, really cared about eschatology. They held conferences. They formed denominations. They created study Bibles. 
Thinking about eschatology, the doctrine of what happens in the end times. So that's what that's a big word. It's the doctrine of what happens in the end times. I believe we're living in the end times. Was a big deal. He said, no more. I hardly hear anyone talk about end times anymore. In some ways, that's good. Sometimes we are a little too ready to fight over eschatology before. In other ways, it's sad. I wonder if we really care as much as we should. I'm struck by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4. He says, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. On the day of his return. What does that say? That means Jesus is coming back, right? Yes or no? Yeah. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. And I submit to you this morning, are you eagerly looking forward to his return? And if not, we should say, Lord, open my eyes. Put that fire in my core that I will be expectantly waiting your coming. That verse challenges me. Do I love his appearing? Our future with Jesus is meant to be one of the controlling influences in our lives. Do we even think about it, never mind long for it or love it? If we had a bigger view of what's to come, I suspect our lives today would be radically different. I got to thinking about it recently as I studied Ezekiel 43. Ezekiel has a vision for our future. God will recreate heaven and earth. And God will dwell with his people once again. Ezekiel's vision is detailed and it goes on for many chapters. Why? Because the details matter. We should try our best to understand what Ezekiel wrote and to piece it together with other passages of scripture that speak of what will happen in the future. Of course, we should always model humility as we try to understand the Bible but we shouldn't just shrug our shoulders and say we'll figure things out one day in the distant future. Don't do that. But we also shouldn't miss the point. Why does God give Ezekiel all these details about what will happen in the future? God tells Ezekiel in 43, verses 10 through 12, Son of man, describe to the people of Israel the temple I have shown you, so they will be ashamed of all their sins. Let them study its plan. And they will be ashamed of what they have done. Describe to them all the specifications of the temple, including its entrances and exits and everything else about it. Tell them about its decrees and laws. Write down all these specifications and decrees as they watch so they will be sure to remember and follow them. And this is the basic law of the temple, absolute holiness. The entire top of the mountain where the temple is built is holy. Yes, this is the basic law of the temple. Darrell continues, thinking about eschatology should help our holiness. It should make us hate sin. It should help us long for holiness. It should make us long for the day when our longings will become reality. Don't shrug your shoulders when it comes to thinking about end times. Think about Jesus' return. Study the Bible on what it teaches. But don't do it just to criticize those who disagree with you. Do so because you love Jesus appearing and because it will motivate you to pursue 
holiness. That's the real point behind thinking about eschatology. This morning, I would like to encourage you, those watching online and right here in the auditorium, I understand this news coming out of Israel can be discouraging. But that's why you have to read the Bible. Because in Zechariah, Israel will be there. It's not going anywhere. And your faith in Jesus Christ, the rock, on Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Father, we thank you this morning. Oh, Lord, as as, uh, Daniel was reading um, ringing Nebuchadnezzar's doorbell to tell him that he had the interpretation for the dream, Lord, I believe that you're ringing our doorbells this morning to say, wake up. Look up. Because your redemption is drawing nigh. You're encouraging us, Lord, not to get so caught up in everyday events that we forget about your coming. Lord, forgive us if we have cheapened our citizenship in heaven because we are so enamored with this world right here, right now. This world's not going to last forever. And today, we reaffirm our love for you, Lord. Because we know how much you love us. May we be reminded that when the chaos comes our way, that we will choose to praise. I was thinking even this morning how that has encouraged me being with your people and worshiping you together, praising you. How refreshing that is, Lord, to the soul. When the chaos comes my way, I will choose to praise. That's where we keep our balance. We keep our eyes on you because you're the one true God. And Jesus, your name's above every name. We need to be reminded of that. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if you're here today and you haven't responded to Christ, here it is, Jesus. I put my trust in you. You paid my sin debt in full. So thank you for your forgiveness. Today, I believe you are who you say you are. And I thank you, Lord, for writing my name in the book of life. And I will live for you the rest of my life through the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.